Well, good morning. It's good to see you all here in service and online as well. For those of you that don't know me, um, I get the honor and privilege of being the youth pastor here at Faith, and I'm excited to see, one, where the Lord leads us today, uh, but two, also just to kind of recap where we've been. And we're in a sermon series on the book of Exodus, and last week, Pastor Russ talked over Exodus 1 and 2, and for those that were here tuning in online, uh, this will be just a little recap, but for those that may have missed it, Russ talked about trusting God no matter what, and Russ gave us three points to remember that God blesses those who fear Him, God blesses those who trust Him, and God is at work even when we don't feel it. At the end of the message, Russ talked about Moses, and kind of how he was going to be used by God. And today we're going to look at more of Moses' life in Exodus chapter 3 and 4. And as you flip there, that's where we'll be dedicating our time is to those two chapters. And as you flip there, I want to, one, just kind of give us a recap of who Moses was and where we left it. So Moses was this, this boy who was born in Egypt. He was born in Egypt and... He got placed into the river because at the time, Pharaoh had said, I want you to kill all the baby boys. So Moses was spared by his mother by putting in a basket or what could be called an ark, as what Russ said last week. So he's put in this basket, put in the water, and he grows up. He grows up in this great environment. If you will, he was a prince, or he was one of the one of Pharaoh's uh, sons. And as Moses was growing up there, he had people who were waiting on him hand and foot, who were there to help him, who were there to encourage him, who were there to walk with him. He was of high esteem, okay? But we see towards the end of chapter 2 that Moses actually flees, that he had, he had done something and he had to flee, so he, he runs away runs away to his soon-to-be father-in-law, and that's where we'll pick it up now in Exodus chapter 3. So Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 says, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest. He led the flock far into the wilderness and and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. Now I want you guys to remember who Moses was in Pharaoh's land, if you will, to where now he is in the father-in-law's land. And we see Moses grew up in this high esteem, right? And now where is he? He's a shepherd. Humbling experience, right? You go from being one of the people to where people are looking at you like, oh man, he has power, he has authority, to now he's a shepherd to his father-in-law, Jethro. I think that's interesting because this week as I was studying, I was looking at a couple different Bibles, and one of the footnotes said this, Living the life of a shepherd and a nomad, Moses learned about the ways of the people he would be leading, and also about the wilderness. I think that's interesting, and it struck me because so often, God takes us from a place of comfort a place to where we are like, man, this is nice, I like it, to a place to where he's humbling us to prepare us for what's yet to come. 
And Moses has this great calling on his life that we'll see here in a minute. But Moses was being humbled. Moses was working to understand the people that he would be leading out of Egypt. He learned the ways of the people. He learned what they did for a living. God likes to challenge us, and He likes to humble us in order to restore us to be used in a much better way. And as we continue in Exodus throughout these next coming weeks, I want you guys to focus on something. I want you guys to focus on Moses and how he is in tune with God. And how is he becoming in tune with God? It's because he sits. And he's patient, but he also listens. And often we don't listen. We think we do, but we don't. We don't humble ourselves. We don't quiet ourselves. So today... Today I ask us to just listen to the words of God. To listen to what He's going to say. If we continue on in chapter 3, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. Verse 3, This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't the bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses! Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now, I don't think often we take our shoes off when we come into the Lord's house, right? When we come into the presence of God, I mean, how many of you guys took your shoes off today? Peter's pointing at his son back there. Leroy, blessings to you, my friend. But we don't take our shoes off, right? That was one of the things to where God told him, take your shoes off because you were standing on holy ground. And God didn't want that ground to be tainted by humans, if you will, by the worldly things. And for us today, we look at Moses and what did he do when he approached God? Verse 6, he was afraid to look at God, so he bowed and he covered his face. The fear of God made Moses obey him instantly. The fear of God made him bow down and cover his face because he knew the power and the authority. And today, church, I ask, do we look at God with that same authority? Do we cover our face and know that we can't even look at God, that we are unworthy to say and to sit in front of God? When you pray, when you pray, do you approach God in a casual manner? Or are you in that reverence of like a high king? How do we approach God? If we continue on, we're going to skip around in some of these two chapters here, and we're going to fast forward real quick to verse, to verse 10. 
and says, now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. So God here in these couple verses, 7 through 9, is saying, I've heard my people's cry. I've heard the children crying out from Egypt saying, come save us, Lord, why, why? And God is saying, I hear them. Now Moses, you're going to go. Moses is moved into action by God. But, like any good part of Scripture, but. Verse 11, but Moses protested to God. Who am I to appear before Pilate, or before Pharaoh? Wow. Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? And what does the Lord say? I will be with you. And you will worship on this very mountain. I will be with you. Moses didn't feel adequate in his calling that God gave him. He didn't feel like he could do it. How? But Lord, but but God, me? Who am I to appear? I don't, I've lost that seat. I can imagine him thinking, like, God, I don't sit in Pharaoh's house anymore. Who am I? And for us today, we may be thinking the same thing. Who am I, God, to go and do this? Who am I, God, that you have called me to go share the gospel with people? Who am I? I'm not a pastor. I didn't go to seminary. I didn't go to a Bible school. Well, I hate to tell you guys, not really, but Russ and I didn't go to seminary. Who am I? Who am I to stand in this pulpit and preach God's word? It's because of what God does through us that we can preach the word. Who am I? Who are you? You see, Moses is calling what I'm going to call today the fear stage. He's fearful, but who am I to go before Pharaoh? Who am I? And God says, I'm with you. Even when we don't feel like we can do it, that's God's response to us. I am with you, my child. I am with you. I am with you. See, sometimes we don't feel like we're enough. Sometimes I don't feel like I'm enough, right? We've all been there. God calls us to do something. But God says, I'm with you. And I always will be. I want to jump ahead here to chapter 4, but before we do that, I'm going to kind of outline what happens in the rest of chapter 3. The rest of chapter 3 is actually Moses getting instructions from God and him going back and saying, essentially, no. Or like, well, why, God? And as he's doing this, chapter 3 is ending, and it ends in this way. It ends by saying this. You will dress your sons and daughters with these, stripping the Egyptians of their wealth. God is telling Moses he's going to give them everything that the Egyptians have, their wealth, their status. And he's going to give them these things. And actually what's going to end up happening is that they're going to be asked to leave Egypt. 
after a long period of time and many signs and things are going to have to happen, God is forming the story to where He's going to show His power to all of Egypt and to the children of Israel. He's going to show His power. And I think that's interesting because so often we forget to look for God's power. So God tells them, I'm going to dress you in these fine things with their wealth. Chapter 4 opens with, but Moses, but Moses protested again, what if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw it down and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. Okay, how many of us would that be our reaction, right? I'm not a big snake guy. Like, I can deal with gardener snakes, but when you get like those 12-foot anacondas, and I'm like, whoa, uh uh-uh. Like, give me a shotgun or something because I don't want to see that coming near me. Like, that would be our response, right? Like, throw it down and jump back and... I'm not going to illustrate because I don't want to break a microphone, but, you know, Moses, I'm sure this was a sign of him just going, okay, God, you're telling me to throw it down. And I can imagine him going, well, prove it. And he's like, whoa, okay, you, you got it, God. But what does God tell him? Then the Lord told him, reach out, grab its tail. So Moses reached and grabbed it, and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Verse 5, perform this sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, has really appeared to you. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, his hand was white as snow with a severe skin disease. Some translations say his hand was white with leprosy. Now put your hand back into your cloak. Then the Lord said to Moses, he put it back in the cloak, and when he took it out again, it was healthy as the rest of the body. The Lord said to Moses, if they do not believe you and are not convinced by the first sign, they will be convinced by the second. And if they don't believe you or listen to you even after these two signs, then take some water from the Nile River, pour it out on the dry ground. When you do, The water from the Nile will turn to blood on the ground. You see, here we have Moses, who started to question God. But Moses protested again. What if they don't believe me? And if they say that you never appeared to me? In our lives, sometimes we can feel like God's leading us to do something, and we have people come against us and say, Hey, I don't know if that's really true. You see, when God calls us to action, we do always have naysayers, right? We have people who are going to be like, well, mm, uh-uh, you can't do that. Mm, that's not right. But if we have a clear calling from God, we have to act. And that's what God's telling Moses. Like, I will show these signs. And I think God was showing Moses these signs, one, to gain his trust, to be able to go. I'm going to call this stage that Moses is in is the fear stage. He's stuck in this fear of, well, what if someone, what if someone tells me they didn't appear to me? 
What if, God? In our lives, we can look at this and say, okay, God, what if this doesn't work out? What if this person doesn't like what I'm doing? What if my boss doesn't approve? What if fill in the blank? What if, God? But I want us to focus on the power of Christ. Where God leads us, He is already there. See, God's calling Moses to a place where He's right there. He's settled in with His people. If He calls us to go somewhere, He's ready there. We don't hesitate, we just need to go. And I love in, in chapter 4 because much like Moses, I can too sometimes complain with God. Ah, you know, God, I don't know. And I love this because we come to a point in verse 10. Moses is running out of excuses. So what does he fall back on? The only thing like, okay, God, you're telling me to go say this to, to Pharaoh. Well, watch what I'm going to say. But Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm not a good speaker or I'm not very good with words. I never have been and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Moses falls back on a, an issue that sometimes we can all face. Oh God, I don't know how to present the gospel. God, I don't know how to talk to someone. Ooh, God, that person, when I talk to them, it doesn't go well. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides rather people can speak or not speak, hear or not hear, see or not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. I will be with you, and I will go with you. God has shown Moses and said it a couple times now, I'll be with you. But Moses, verse 13. You guys catching on to the trend here? But Moses. But Moses pleaded again, Lord, please send someone else. Please. Send someone else. I feel like we get caught up in this as well. Moses is faced with this decision. I don't speak well. And I call this the butt stage. But God, please... Send someone else. Send someone else. I'm not adequate. I'm not ready. I can't do this. But God, what if? But God, why me? But God, how? But God, fill in the blank. We all have these moments in our lives of, but God. So Moses is faced with this. And what does God say? Well, verse 14, Then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said, 
What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he speaks well, and look, he is on his way to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with both of you as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be the mouthpiece, and you will stand in the place of God, telling him what to say. And take your shepherd's staff with you, and use it to perform the signs I have shown you. The title of this message is, It Takes Two. Fitting that it's Valentine's Day, it takes two. For us who are married in the room, Moses had to have someone next to him to encourage him, to walk with him, to help him in everything that he was called to do. And for us in the room who are married, who's next to you when you go through stuff that may be uncomfortable? Maybe you go through things that's like, "Mm, I don't know, God, your husband or your wife. You can lean on them. You can walk with them. They can sometimes upset you. Sometimes they can... Pray for you, encourage you, strengthen you, challenge you, and most of all, humble you. And sometimes those are uncomfortable times. But we see Moses having his own brother walking with him. But I don't want us to miss the one very important part in there. Verse 15 I will be with both of you. So the subtitle is, or three. It takes two or three. Because we don't walk this world alone. We have to walk it with God and with someone by our side to encourage us and to strengthen us and to help us along. And in Moses' life, we see this, that He feels inadequate, but what does God do? He walks with him, he guides him, he uses him in great and powerful ways. In chapter 4, we see this over and over again. God always provides. He provided Aaron for Moses. And I call this the final stage, and it's the rest assured stage. Moses needed Aaron to rest assured and to actually go. We need God and our spouses and our friends to rest assured so that we can go. As chapter 4 ends, we, we see Moses goes back to his father-in-law's house and he asked him to return to his relatives in Egypt. And Jethro says, go in peace. Verse 20, So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey, and headed back to the land of Egypt. In his hand he carried the staff of God. Moses now makes it a family affair. God provides over and over again for Moses and for Aaron, and they take their families with them. 
And Moses goes and he, he's allowed to free the people eventually, but not yet in chapter 4. There's a lot yet to happen. And I'm not trying to spoil the, towards the end here, but uh, eventually, you know, the old song, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. You know, that old song. Okay, the youth group kids didn't really get that song. They're like, I don't understand that. I'm like, okay, I'm old now. And uh, I grew up singing that song in... Yeah, it's a good song. But the kids didn't know it. But let my people go, right? So Moses goes and he goes and he's told to go in front of the elders of the people that are in Egypt. And in that he's told to perform these signs to gain their trust and to show them that God is with them. And with us, see, God provides all these signs and wonders and God provides for Moses and God's providing for us today Even in the midst of a culture that doesn't seem like God's with us sometimes, He is still providing for us. And as we fast forward and as I end, I want to fast forward here to the last verse in chapter 4. Verse 31 says, Then the people of Israel were convinced that the Lord had sent Moses and Aaron. When they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. They bowed down and worshipped. They had seen that God saw them. In our lives, God sees us. He sees the troubles, the misery, the heartaches. But what do we do? We started out with talking about Moses' posture before the Lord. Hiding his face, barefoot. And we end chapter 4. And they bowed down and they worshipped him. What is our posture of worship when we approach the Lord? Is that we are bowing down and worshiping when we're going through misery? When we're going through heartaches, when we're going through struggles and trials, or are we, or are we just crying and complaining? As we end, I have three questions for us to take home this week. What is God asking you to do that may seem impossible? For Moses, the impossible task was appearing before Pharaoh and asking him to do these things. How can you trust that He is providing for your every need? God provided these signs and errand for Moses and everything along the way. And He would provide when He let the people go and how they would go with everything that they had and more. How are you trusting God to provide? Do you trust that God can lead you to do something impossible? For many of us, God calls us to do something that seems so far-fetched and so impossible, and are you trusting that God can do it? The God that made the universe, the God that made your very body. Are you trusting that He can do the impossible through you and in you? He provides for us each and every day and He always will and He always will be with us. We are never alone. God is with you and He's with me to the end of the day. You see, for some of us, we, we hear this, okay, God's with me, great. 
God can provide for me, great. God can use me to do the impossible, great. But we come to that same spot as Moses of, but God, I, but God, I have a past. But God, I don't know. But God, am I good enough? And today, I want you guys to hear that if I, nothing else, that you are good enough, that God is with you, and that your past doesn't matter, that you are adequate, that God will fill you and use you. Moses said he didn't speak well, but that's ironic. Later on in the New Testament, we hear of how Moses' speech had power. How he spoke with power. Wait a minute, Moses, I didn't think you spoke well. Could it possibly be that Moses was using that as a crutch? As an excuse? What excuses do we have? As I end today, I know that we're, we're going to go into a time of response. And I ask us to bow and to worship. To let go of everything that may be holding us back. To open our hearts to what the Lord's going to do. To open our minds to how He wants to use us. And to humbly worship Him. As I close to pray, as I pray to close, if today you, this God, this Lord, sounds like someone you need to put your trust in, like Moses and Aaron did, there'll be an opportunity for you to invite Him into your life. For those watching on live stream, you can do it right in your living room as well. There's nothing magical about this place. It can be in the car. It can be at your home, on your couch. It can even be in your bathtub. God's always there. So as I pray, there'll be time for you to pray with me. So will you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for today, and Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for showing us that you have always provided, that you are with us, and that you always will be with us. And Father, as we walk throughout this week, Lord, may you remind us that you are with us, that it takes two to go throughout this life. You provided Aaron for Moses, and Lord, God, you provided your son for us. So Lord, if there's anyone in the room that has not accepted your Son into their heart right now, Lord, I pray that they pray along with me. Father, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm in need of saving. Jesus, come into my life. Cleanse me of my sins. Make me feel adequate enough. Use me, God. Forgive me in my past and strengthen me in my present. For Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Father, if 
anyone in this room prayed that, or if someone on the live stream prayed it, Lord, may you see them, and may you comfort them, and may you draw near to them. And Father, may you, you Lord, walk with us each and every day. God, help us to be devoted to you like Moses and Aaron were. To trust you, and to know that you, Father, are more than enough, even when we don't feel like we're enough. So God, we thank you, we praise you, and we love you. Amen. Before we enter a time of worship and prayer together as a family, um, I just want to highlight one part of Pastor Lance's message that he and I talked about this week. Um, And uh, last week I shared from Acts chapter 7 when uh, the disciple Stephen was basically giving his last words before he was killed. And in Acts 7, um, he's kind of recapping some of the story of Moses And in verse 22 of Acts 7, Stephen says that Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was powerful in speech and action. And so even as God is in the presence, or excuse me, as Moses is in the presence of God, he's bringing all these excuses out, like Lance highlighted there. And yet in the midst of that, God can use him use him in powerful ways. And Lance highlighted that. But the part, this is the whole reason why I'm bringing this up. Last week I quoted for you from 2 Corinthians 12, that when we're going through hard and difficult things, you can trust God because his grace is sufficient for you. You want to know what the next part of that verse says? It's that his power is made perfect in our weakness. So we can bring those inadequacies forward and say, God, use me. Use me. So I think it's really cool that those two messages, last week and this week, you look at that verse in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, that playing out in 